We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Welcome back to another episode of Weird Distractions Podcast, a weekly podcast where I, your host Alex, rotate between discussing true crime, conspiracy theories, paranormal stories, folklore, and a little bit of this and a little bit of that to provide you and more than likely what your local hunters association would consider a weird distraction from everyday life. This week we're back talking all things ooky spooky, but before we dive into the episode itself, I do have a little bit of housekeeping and of course I need to tell you what I need a distraction from this week. If you don't want to listen to that, just skip ahead a couple minutes. So when it comes to housekeeping, just a reminder that there is a new Weird Spam episode out for folks on the Here for the Weird tier, which is on Patreon. Head on over to www.patreon.com slash podcast to learn more about both tiers and consider joining the Weird fam we have over there. In terms of what I need a distraction from this week, I'm just going to say I need a distraction from the fact that Christmas is coming up. And I know there are people listening who probably love the Christmas holidays. I personally am not a big fan. Um, There's too much pressure. There's a lot of stress. And I know it is what you make it. But for me, I just feel like no matter how prepared I try to be, I always get slapped with just but just a bunch of nonsense, basically. So I need a distraction from the fact that Christmas is coming up. I definitely am already feeling the stress and pressure to buy gifts, get everything decorated, hunker down on plans and just yeah. And I'm not I'm not here for it. I, that's why I like Halloween, because I feel like Halloween, not that much pressure. You know, like maybe a little bit of stress trying to play in, um, you know, a, a costume or if you want to do something for Halloween. But with Christmas, it's you have to buy, you don't have to, but you're expected to sometimes buy gifts for people that it's like, I don't know what to get this person. I have no idea what this person wants. If it was me, if they're wondering what I want, I want more serotonin. I want a week of sleeping and no disruptions. <laughs> but you can't really give that to somebody, right? So that's what I need a distraction from. And if you're tuning in and you're like, hey, I need a distraction from work or from a situation or what have you, feel free to email it to me. Let me know and I may read it on a future episode. But with all that said, I think it's time to dive into this week's paranormal distraction. I feel as though the entire show could spend time in the United States due to its history of paranormal hotspots, true crime cases, and, well, other weird things. I will cover stories from other countries, so if you're tuning in from Europe, Africa, Australia, or anywhere else, don't worry, I will make it that way soon. (laughs) I promise. For this week, we're checking out the Bachelors Grove Cemetery located in a southwest suburb of Chicago, Illinois. It's been a while since we've talked about the history and haunts of a cemetery, with the last and first one being the St. Rock episode that former host Christy and I chatted about. I stumbled upon Bachelors Grove Cemetery through the BuzzFeed Unsolved Paranormal book by YouTube's favorite ghoul boys, Ryan and Shane. Due to potential coarse language, disturbing adult themes, and other topics that could be discussed today, Listener discretion is advised. Nestled at 5900 
West Midlothian Turnpike in Midlothian, the Bachelors Grove Cemetery is under a 40-minute drive from the bustling city of Chicago. Bachelors Grove was once allegedly part of a settlement that was established by four single men, which may have begun as early as the late 1820s. Four single men starting a settlement before proper hygiene retains may just be the scariest part of this area's history. Nonetheless, there seems to be some discrepancies regarding the name and what the name actually means or where it came from. Although four bros starting a settlement sounds fun, here's a direct quote from a Chicago Tribune article that points another purpose behind the settlement's name. Quote, the name Bachelor's Grove refers to a stand of timber that poked out from the Sea of Prairie met by the first settlers in the area and was likely named for the Bachelor family, an early pioneer family that later moved south to Rich Township, end quote. So some people think that it was named Bachelor Grove because it was for bachelors, these men, that kind of came and established a settlement, while some actually think that it was named after the Bachelor family. Regardless, it is what it is. The settlement in area grew with settlers arriving from Europe, primarily of Germanic origin, according to the writings of Brad L. Bettenhausen. Because of its growth, it probably made sense for a cemetery to be created as People came and went, and yes, I'm being very literal here. People were coming and going and not just, you know, going by leaving the, the town. Hence the birth of Bachelors Grove Cemetery. There seems to have been some discrepancies around who the first person buried in the cemetery was. For example, the Bachelors Grove website indicated that the first death noted in a local newspaper was that of William B. Nobles, who reportedly died in 1838. Yet, others claim it was Eliza Scott, also known as Mrs. Leonard H., who probably died sometime in November of 1844. I couldn't personally find out who exactly was buried at the cemetery first, but if we're going based on numbers, if William died in 1838, I'm assuming that would mean he would be the first person that, uh, that passed in the settlement. But who knows? The cemetery was officially established around 1840 and would become the final resting site for the settlers and supposedly Russian rail workers. Burials at Bachelors Grove Cemetery seemingly came to an end in 1965, with many accounts noting that the final person to be added to the property was a man named Robert E. Shields. Robert's cremated remains were placed in a family plot in 1989. So pointing out the obvious, I think by 1965, they said, okay, no more unless you already have a family plot or something to be added to. And that's probably where Robert comes in, right? Based on what I gathered, there are approximately 82 plots within the cemetery. The settlement of Bachelors Grove also slowly became kind of a ghost town, which allowed for weird tales and lore to kind of begin, so to speak. However, the heart of these stories seemingly stemmed from the cemetery. So even though there is a lot of lore around the settlement, it, the heart of all of this weird stuff taking place seems to be at the cemetery, which is interesting. For example, according to the Atlas Obscura website, the cemetery would become a crew dumping site in the 19th 20s for local gangs. In a post-prohibition era, nearby teens and young adults went to the isolated, unmonitored cemetery to drink and listen to music, among other things, probably. Basically, it became kind of a party site.
And by the 1970s, the Bachelor Grove Cemetery became a victim of vandalism, which led to police monitoring the area more heavily than previous years. Even though police were hanging around more, partiers are still going to party, and of course, people still ended up going to the cemetery. A little bit of weird information I came across according to the writings of the BuzzFeed Unsolved Supernatural novel, officers patrolling the area would come into contact with seemingly intoxicated youth use, but these youngsters would, based on accounts, present as acting bizarre in nature. What I found peculiar was that the BuzzFeed Unsolved Supernatural novel noted that the bizarre behavior could have been attributed to something more natural as opposed to some cheap beer. According to the book, there may have been hallucinatory gases being released by a nearby quarry. Based on my research, I think this quarry may be the Bohem Quarry, and my sincere apologies if I'm mispronouncing it. I couldn't find much about any gases being released from the quarry, but I did find some interesting tales associated with it while on the hunt. For example, according to the Bachelor's Grove Forever website, a local by the name of Clarence Fulton reportedly went on record once about drownings of local children that occurred in the quarry pond when he was a child growing up in the area. This doesn't necessarily explain why maybe the youths that were being picked up by police were acting even more bizarre than usual, but I mean, you could let your imagination kind of run wild with that, so to speak. And if they're drinking, who knows, maybe maybe they drink some absinthe or something. Things can get weird when you drink that stuff, apparently. But going back to the whole death conversation, the area surrounding the cemetery and Bachelor's Grove in general seems to be well acquainted with death. One victim of the area was Audrey Ellis, whose deceased body was reportedly found by a mushroom hunter. In a direct quote from the Bachelor's Grove Forever website, quote, Audrey's slain body was found by a mushroom hunter in the woods near Ridgeland Avenue and 145th Street in 1966. The girl, an African-American wearing only a gold bracelet and a shamrock necklace, was discovered to have been from Gary, Indiana, and had been on her way to a job interview. Audrey was one of three young women found murdered in the forest preserves of Cook County that year, and her murder remains unsolved. End quote. I may discuss Audrey's case in a later episode, so I'm not going to do a deep dive into it, but just wanted to acknowledge her death in association with the area. Another victim of the area was a former local named Martin Myers. Martin was a truck driver experiencing unemployment when, in 1989, his lifeless body was reportedly found outside the entrance of Bachelor's Grove Cemetery. Weirdly enough, Martin's death took place before he was to stand trial for murdering a colleague of his. Finally, one more case I wanted to mention, which begins with a man named John Burr, and that is spelled B-E-R, by the way. John, in most accounts that came across online, has been described as a loner who had been kicked out of his home due to stealing. In reference of the Bachelor's Grove Forever website, which was a really good resource for today's episode, might I add, John had allegedly taken up residence in a local abandoned farmhouse that was owned by his father. This farmhouse was located about four miles from Bachelor's Grove. Based on what I gathered online, locals knew about John and typically gave him his space. They didn't really want to bug him. They didn't want to associate with him. They kind of played into the whole loner description. But that all changed in 1987 when John was in his 20s. Three 17-year-olds, being Brenda's 
Seagraves, Hazelcrest, and Rick Fisher reportedly approached the property John was staying at, with accounts noting that they were hoping to bum a beer off of him. Two of the three teens would be discovered under gruesome and traumatic circumstances the next day. In a direct quote from a March 1987 Chicago Tribune article, quote, Brenda's body was found at about 4.30 a.m. on Monday, stuffed in the trunk of her 1975 Oldsmobile Cutlass, which was parked in front of a doctor's office at 183rd Street and Lawndale Avenue in Country Club Hills. Rick Fisher's body was found soon afterward behind the rundown house and a nearby ramshackle barn on the five acres of land owned by Zygmunt Burr, being John's father, end quote. Finding more information about this case was extremely hard. Only one Chicago Tribune article and the Bachelor Gross Forever website seemed to really have any information about the case. So I'm unsure for certain as to why John did what he did, or if Hazel, the third teen, had survived meeting him. Which, due to lack of information, it may come to no surprise that local lore surrounding the story began to manifest. Similar to the deaths of Brenda and Rick, there have been other tales of murder and death in the area. However, many seem to be more urban legend-based than factual. For example, we've got the classic hooked hand story, a murderous romantic partner, and even lore around a former caretaker of Bachelor's Grove who reportedly became an axe murderer. None of these stories have seemingly been proven true, yet they continue to be passed down from generation to generation. When it comes to the paranormal side of things at this location, there seems to be a pool or a quarry full of different tales. For example, there have been accounts of an apparition that many think was a former local farmer. This farmer is said to hang by the quarry with his horse. Regarding the origin story of this ghostly pair, here's a direct quote from the Graveyards website. Quote, It is said that, while plowing nearby, the horse panicked and bolted for no apparent reason, plunging into the pond and dragging the farmer with him, weighed down by the plow, both drowned. The pair of ghosts have been seen by forest rangers, end quote. There also are accounts of a two-headed ghost, with many thinking that this may actually be the farmer and the horse, but who knows? It's, it, it, it sounds really confusing to me. Other accounts of spooky paranormal activity include reports of a female presenting apparition dressed in white, holding a baby, a ghostly black dog, sightings of orbs, phantom cars, red streaking lights, and blue lights that appear to be dancing, which I wonder if those might actually just be orbs that people are seeing. Just to touch on the phantom car bit, there have been claims of people driving on the roads near the cemetery at night that have encountered what seems to be a 1940s gangster-style car. This car appears on the road in front of them before turning off a road and disappearing. According to a Reddit post by Original Poster, Life is a Love, under the r slash mysterious facts channel. None of these sightings seem to have factual real-life stories associated with them, yet folks continue to experience various accounts of odd phenomena, some that I've mentioned and others. In August of 1991, Judy Huff reportedly caught what seems to be an apparition sitting on a tombstone within the Bachelor's Grove Cemetery. I'll post this photo on social media and put the link for it in today's show notes, as it is quite compelling in my opinion. But now that we've chatted the history, the haunts, the true crime aspect of this location, I think it's time we wrap up this week's distraction. Music 
similar to other cemeteries across this floating rock we call Earth, I think there is a haunting effect that one can experience when visiting or strolling through a cemetery. You're engulfed in so many emotions when walking through. Maybe it's grief, loss, anger, sadness, or maybe even some form of peace or contentment, all in one location. Not only that, but for cemeteries as old as the Bachelors Grove Cemetery, you have layers of history with various living and deceased footprints having walked through. So I have a question for listeners. Do you think that cemeteries are automatically haunted? Is there a possibility that because they are a holding cell for the dead, they automatically possess energy to manifest paranormal activity? I would love to hear your thoughts over on social media or by email. If you've enjoyed today's Weird Distractions episode, please consider telling your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else who will listen about the show. You can tell them to find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, Google Podcasts, Podchaser, and many more. If you're streaming the show on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review. This helps the show out for free by letting others know that it's worth listening to. Another way to support the show for free and to never miss an update is to follow along on the show's various social media accounts. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. My handle is at WeirdDistractI1 and TikTok. If you want to financially support the show and get yourself a little something extra each month, why not join one of the two tiers over on Patreon? Each month you get exclusive content such as bonus episodes and series, the Weird Destinations travel posts, plus early access to the regular feed episodes. You can find out which tier is best suited for you by going to patreon.com slash weirddistract podcast. Shout out to my current patrons, aka my weird little family members, Tom, Bailey, Angela, John, Alicia, Lynn, Susan, Shadow, Courtney, Jennifer, Lanny, and Cheryl. I love you all and appreciate your ongoing support of Weird Distractions. If you're unable to support the show on a monthly basis, but still want to support it maybe as a one-time donation, check out the show's merch over on Redbubble or sign up for a one-time donation over on Buy Me A Coffee. Lastly, I want to hear from you. As some longtime listeners may recall, Christy and I released two listener story-based episodes called Listener Distractions. I'd love to keep doing this series and hear all of your weird tales of ghostly encounters, unexplainable events, and too close to home true crime stories. You can email me your tales at weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com. As well, send me feedback. If there are any corrections that need to be made after today's episode, let me know. And as always, if you need a distraction, I got you. Bye. Bye.